0: When I come to die When I Can have all at once, but I just want my Jesus, Amen. I hope that your heart's cry today. Amen. Why don't we just enter in and and just worship him with all our hearts, amen? And just try to let go of the things that have been troubling us through the week. Man, none of those things are important. Man, and I pray that you can just let your spirit be refreshed and renewed. Amen. I want to sing this song. Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced Bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came gave. gave a man. Lord, thank you for the name of your flow, now all I know, your forgiveness and Ill. Land. Oh, worthy is the land, and thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you pay, and bearing all my sin and shame. And love you came You gave amazing grace Thank you for this love, Lord Thank you for the living Wash me in your cleansing flow Now all I know Now all I know You're forgive and embrace Sing it with me now Oh, worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne Oh, we crown you Jesus With many crowns You reign victorious High and lifted up I have lifted up, Jesus' oh, oh, the treasure of heaven crucified Worthy is the Lamb the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Oh, now. Worthy is the Lamb. Seated on the throne, we crown you now. If I. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. One more time now. Oh, worthy is the Lamb. Amen. Why don't you give him a hand of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord Jesus, Lamb of God. Amen. Maybe we could sing that song together, You Are God Alone. Kib G, perhaps. You are God alone And from before time began Oh, you were on your throne And you are God alone And right now In the good times and bad Oh, were on your throne Oh you are God alone. Sing that again God alone And from before time began Oh you were on your throne You were God alone Oh and right now in the good times and bad You were on your throne God alone. First verse. You are not a God created by human hand. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is Oh, and you are God alone From before time began Oh, you were on your throne You were God alone Oh, and right now In the good times and bad You were on your throne You are God alone And right now In the good times and bad You are on your throne You are God alone Second verse You're the only God whose power None can contend You're the only God whose name men. Praise will never end You're the only God who's worthy Of everything we can give You are God And that's just the way it is Oh, you are God alone Before time began You were on your throne You were God alone Oh and right now In the good times and bad You are on your throne You are God alone And you are God alone For time get more, you get for You were on your throne You are God alone And right now Times and bad, oh, you were on your throne. You are God alone, oh, and right now, in the good times and bad, you were on your throne. You are God alone. Let's sing that song together, Christ Alone Will I Glory, QG, please. In Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battle's won, For I've been blessed beyond measure, and by His strength alone I overcome. And oh, I could stop and count successes Like diamonds in my hands But those trophies could not equal To the grave by which I stand In Christ alone I place my trust And find my glory in the power of the cross In every victory Let it be said of me My source of strength My source of hope Is Christ alone In Christ alone do I glory by His grace I am redeemed. For only His tender mercy Could reach beyond my weakness to my knees. And now I seek no greater honor Than just to know You more. To gain my gains as losses For the glory of my Lord In Christ alone I place my trust And find my glory In the power of the cross In every bit. set over me my source of strength my source of hope sing it again in Christ alone and in Christ alone I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross in every Let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope, is Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that we can place our trust in Him this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to change the order of our service. As we do, why don't we sing that song, Hear My Prayer, O Lord, QC. Hear my prayer, O Lord From the ends of the earth I cry Your peace will lead me to A rock that is higher than I And hear my prayer ends of the earth I cry and your peace will lead me to the rock that is higher than I owe you In times of trouble a tower above my enemy I will abide in you forever In the shelter of your wings For you have been my strength In times of trouble A tower above my enemies And Lord, I will abide with you Let's bring it up to the next key. Hear my prayer, oh Lord. From the ends of the earth I cry. Sing it with me now. Your peace. The rock that is higher than I Hear my prayer, O Lord From the ends of the earth I cry And your peace will lead me to The rock that is higher than I For you have been my strength In times of trouble The tower above my enemies Oh Lord I will abide with you forever In the shelter of your will For you have been my strength In times of trouble A tower above my enemies Oh Lord I will abide With you forever In the shelter of your wings And Lord I will abide be today just sheltered in the arms of jehovah man with all that's going on in this world all this turmoil and war countries invading one another why it's just a a fascinating time that we live in definitely feels like we're in the end times doesn't it amen i believe that with all my heart coming of the lord jesus will be soon amen i hope that's your heart's cry too amen we're going to take our needs to the lord at this time and ask brother aaron to be prepared to take these needs to God, Amen. If you would remember Sister Lily uh, and Sister Emma uh, today, uh, they're not feeling well. I think Sister Lily tested positive for the flu, so just keep the family in prayer. Man, God would grant recovery and healing to their bodies, Amen. Want um, to remember the McCafferty family? They're not with us today. Uh, Brother Mitchell's not feeling well. If you'd remember him in prayer brother keith is also uh had, he was called into work for a very serious issue uh, be praying for him in the situation there and uh, brother john cockman also is away at this time so keep him in your prayers uh, the paschal family cannot be with us today work related issues so keep them in your prayers as well and I have a special need for sister connie hughes you I man she has a personal request She's got on her heart. Also, I heard a family member of hers just recently was killed in a car accident. Amen. So if you remember the family in prayer. Amen. That's all the needs I have before me. I know Brother Barry has quite a few that he's going to bring before the church. Amen. So we'll just remember that in prayer as well. Have one more request here for Brother Joel. And uh, he's feeling down in his back, Brother Joel. So we just want to remember him. God would give him a healing touch. Amen. man, I, I can certainly feel his pain. I just recently recently went through some issues with my back, and I'm thankful that God gave me a healing touch. Man, brought me through that, so I'll, we'll certainly be praying for him. Brother Aaron, if you'd come at this time, if you have unspoken needs that you want prayed for, man, God sees that need, and we'll be praying with you. God bless you.
1: Shall we bow our heads and pray? Heavenly Father, we come to you once again this afternoon, Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, in this time of trouble, Lord, where, O God, we see uh, things that were written in your word coming to pass. Father, for we know your Bible says that before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Father, we are indeed in your day, O God, a day of judgment, O Father, a day, Lord Jesus Christ, where we see The iniquity of the Amorites filling up, nations are breaking, oh God. Israel is awakened, Lord Jesus Christ. But you said in all those things, in the time of trouble, David says, He will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of the Most High, I shall abide. That's why, Father, we have come here, Lord. For we know, oh God, there is no other place to which we can take refuge except in Jesus Christ. That's why we sing in Christ alone. That's where we have our hope. Father, our hope is in Jehovah. Our hope is not in medical doctors. Our hope, oh God, is not in military equipment. Our hope is in you, oh God. We take this time, Father, to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, oh God. Some, Father, who are in bomb shelters, in basements, oh Father. They are raising their voices in prayer because they are trusting in you father for we know oh god those that have come to you you said you shall lose none for we remember oh god when you came here lord jesus christ you told the disciples when you see is jerusalem being compassed about know that the time is at hand father for we read lord in history that all of those that followed your ministry they were all saved none perished oh god we know you are the same yesterday today and forever we thank you father for you said in your word, you ends of the earth, look unto me and be saved. Father we pray oh God for this request. So your children Lord, some are sick, I think of the McCaffrey family, Lord Jesus Christ streaming this morning your children Lord raising their hands this morning to you oh God. Trusting and believing in the same power of the cross. The same power that prevailed over hell death and the grave is the same power today that can change our situations. We thank you father be with us oh god as we continue through this song service when the minister comes oh god when you just stand father behind this sacred desk and speak to your children oh god the words of hope the words of life ancient words are ever true we thank you father we commit everything into your hands in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ amen
0: Aaron you can have your seats we're not going to take up too much time this morning brother Barry has a lot to bring to the church so we're just going to sing a few songs here man and just worship the Lord for a few minutes uh, let's sing that song you're playing sister Becky you deserve the glory you deserve the glory and the And the honor Oh Lord, we lift our hands in worship As we lift your holy name For you Hey! your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Oh Lord, we lift our head in worship as we lift your holy name. sing this song together. I just want to be where you are. Dwelling I just want to be where you are in your dwelling place forever take me to the place where you are oh I just want I uh-huh. sing with me. I just want to be. Oh, I just want to be where you are. Draw me near to where you are. Oh, and I just want to be where you are in your dwelling place forever. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. I just I just want to be with you. Oh, I want to be where you are. I just want to be, I just want to be with you, amen, do you want to be with him, hallelujah, the deacons would come forward at this time, we're going to take up our morning offering, man, and just make way for our pastor, man, to bring the word of the Lord, amen, hallelujah, brother Mike Pritchard, if you lead us in prayer, please. I just want to be where you are.
2: Your prayer. by your glory.
3: with me heavenly father we thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us lord we truly do just want to be where you are we want to live in your presence lord not only here this morning in this place and in this wonderful atmosphere but lord we want to live each day and each moment of each day lord close to you father we commit this service now into your hands we commit the day into your hands lord all of our fellowship and everything that's to be done May, Lord, everything we have, we give to you and may it bring honor and glory to your name. We remember those who are in need and those who are in great need today. Commit them into your hands. Pray in the name of Jesus that you would draw near, Lord, to those especially who are seeking your touch and need your strength, Lord. We ask all of these blessings in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen going to ask you to sing one more little chorus as we uh, just wind it up here this morning. I stand, I stand in awe of you. And I want you to sing this morning. I want you to all be conscious of this song and sing it with me here today. I'm not a special singer, but I like to sp- sing especially. So let's sing it together.
2: You are beautiful beyond description, to marvelous words. Like nothing ever seen or heard, who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depth? You are beautiful beyond description enthroned above and I stand I stand in all of you I stand I stand in all of you Holy God to whom I stand in awe of you sing that chorus again now Yes, I stand, I stand in all of you. I stand, I stand in all of you, Holy God.
3: Praise His wonderful name. You may be seated this morning. God bless you. We'll let our musicians take their places uh, this morning. And uh, I'll have you stand once again in a moment and we'll read the scripture together. But uh, for right now, I um, just wanted to give you a little, uh, some little updates and things that are pertinent to us uh, today. Um, We've been asked to remember, again, Sister Laura Collins, and um, Sister Laura is still with us, Uh, Sister Rebecca is still up there, uh, but she had a very difficult night, Sister Laura uh, is going through a lot of pain and uh, discomfort, and uh, they're really hoping and trusting and praying that God will allow a miracle to occur, and that's where their hope is, And so we're asking, and the family is asking that you would remember them in prayer um, and those that are with her. We have uh, now opened up our website so you can go and register for uh, our evening with our couples on uh, March 12th. And uh, one of the reasons why, I just wanted to say this, one of the reasons why we're doing this in our fellowship hall is because uh, the hotel policy up at the Crown Plaza has changed and so they don't do banquets and things like they used to do. So, um, there, there are many changes because they've been, they, they actually closed their catering for a couple of years. Uh, and they're not back to where they, uh, used to be. And I don't know whether they're even going to go back to where they used to be. But, so nonetheless, we're going to have a, a caterer take care of our meal here. And uh, if you would sign up, we have a limited amount of people that we can uh, accommodate. So uh, you're welcome to spread the word and send this uh, note around to people and uh, let them know that uh, they're welcome to come. It should be a special evening. And then Brother Jason's going to uh, minister for us on Sunday as well. Um, on March 26th, also. Um, I was asked to announce that we're going to have the first of a men's breakfast, and this is on Saturday morning, it'll be at 9 o'clock, March 26th, so if you're in town or near town, you would want to be there, we're going to have a special chef cook up our breakfast for us, and uh, coupled with that, with the fellowship that we're going to have, we're going to have a light cleanup slash work day, so it'll be, you don't even need to bring tools for that, so... If you're able to come along and and come along for breakfast, that's just fine. If you're able to come along for breakfast and stay a little bit, uh, it's going to be just bonding, a bonding time. And uh, so we are looking forward to that on March 26th. That will be really nice uh, for us to be able to have that. Sister Amber McCall is not here Uh, today. She had a bilateral injection and is in a lot of pain, so we want to remember Sister Amber. Uh, just contacted me here. Sister Karen, good to have you back uh, today. Been a while, and we're glad to have you with us today. Uh, we're also remembering Sister Connie Hughes is not here, and Sister Jewel, her sister, uh, a couple of months ago, her daughter died, Kathy, and uh, we mentioned that here in the church. And last night, her, Kathy's daughter, was killed in a car accident, and so that was the. Uh, the story that uh, Jaron was passing on to us there so uh, the families, um, you know it's just been a very difficult thing and, and uh, obviously we just want to remember the, them in prayer now uh, birthdays and anniversaries today February 26th was uh, Jew's birthday and uh, got her picture over here and uh, that's a special picture and also it's Rachel's uh, birthday Rachel God bless you uh february 28th now i gotta ask brother joel is a true leap year baby right so he's only a teenager uh cohen what is is cohen a true leap year baby no how old are you going to be cohen 10 years old god bless you and bill and sydney walters Are, are you a true leap year marriage no 28th all right we wish you all the best how many years brother bill Forty-six years, my, that's a real milestone, and God bless you, we appreciate the Walters. March 3rd, Peter and Rachel's anniversary, how many years? Ten years, special year this year. God bless you. Sister Florence uh, has her birthday on March 4th, and Brother Johnny Reynolds has his birthday on March 4th as well. Brother Johnny, we appreciate you and your wife, and uh, appreciate all you do here. And a lot of people may not uh, fully know, but we appreciate all you do, and the help uh, you've given to us and uh sister Jew was making an announcement there uh with her shirt and uh, i missed it my wife doesn't miss those things and i missed it but uh we are congratulating the ngamazas this morning and may god bless them and uh your life will never be the same we um been quite an extraordinary week uh, for me and uh, for uh, many people in the world. And I know that all of you folks are bombarded by information, things that are happening in the world. And nowadays, uh, the things that happen don't happen locally anymore. If we get a virus. It's a global virus. If there's a struggle like a, a war begins, it, it affects everybody. One commentator called this War, not World War Three, but World War World War Wired. Because we are uh, on the front seat of everything that's taken place. We're right there, uh, seemingly with the people in Ukraine and the believers that are there. Uh, for years and years, I traveled uh, with Brother Lonnie Jenkins, Brother Jason, uh, several others. We we traveled into that portion of the world and and uh, traveled in in almost all of the. Former Soviet Union, Russian. there are 12 Russian-speaking countries. And uh, this, uh, this area of Ukraine that we're dealing with is probably the most frequently uh, visited area that uh, I've been to. So I'm very familiar. When I see those pictures of the struggle on the screen uh, on the Internet and so forth, newspapers, I, I know exactly where they are, and I, I, many of them I recognize. Some of my boys have been uh, with me as well over there. And uh, having just been there, I saw initially when things unfolded this week that there was going to be a lot of misinformation out there. So I jumped in, and uh, with uh, the minister's communications that uh, I have, uh, I just uh, shared a little bit there, a little bit of insight. And uh, that kind of got rolling, and and as a result of that, uh, there's lots of people been telling me things, communicating with me, so I've just been a channel for uh, communicating, communicating things back out to the people, uh, over there and trying to keep you updated as well. And, uh, even though, uh, it may not be regular, uh, you're getting all the news that you probably want to get. But from the believer's perspective, this, this is really interesting. And it's just amazing. Yesterday I was, I was speaking with, uh, Brother Sergey, who lives here in the United States and he's a part of, uh, one of the churches in Ukraine. Uh, he said, you know, on a grand scale, he said, when you look at the big picture, he said, these believers are doing pretty well. He said, they, you know, it, it's terrifying, it's difficult, uh, they don't know what tomorrow holds, uh, they, they live in a tough environment anyway, they, they have for many, many years since uh, Russia began to peck away at the edges of their country, and uh, their economy is, is shattered. Uh, their store shelves are empty. They, um, they, they really don't know what flag is going to be flying over their uh, post office tomorrow. But uh, let me tell you something these believers today, and I've spoken to uh, these ministers that are here, many of these ministers over the last few days, and today I spoke with a, with a couple, and Brother Eugene, who's in the uh, basement of his family's home. And uh, I, I asked them, I said, well, what, 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 tell me what you're doing today. And they said, well, we were at church. We, were, we had a prayer meeting on our phones. So they, they hook up in a similar thing like FaceTime, and they, they, they have a group here and a group there and a group somewhere else, and they kind of tie together on the phone, and they were having prayer meetings together. And in one place, they were listening to a a sermon of Brother Branham. And then they had other ministers who were on there exhorting. And and they were, as best they could and as safely as they could, they were all at church this morning. And that's the kind of people they are. They're just a tough people with a lot of grit. And they believe the presence of the Lord is with them. And they're just uh, trusting God for every hour of every day. And and I, I've listened to them on the phone, and the bombs going off in the background this week. And uh, they are not they are the brothers are not allowed to go out. They're not able to go out on the street to go find supplies or go to the bank or the ATM machine if they can find one that has cash in it. They they are not allowed to travel at all. The men are not. So the women have to go on the streets and they're the ones who are the messengers and they uh they'll bring pe- things around to people uh people who have medicine people who are looking for su- essential supplies and so forth it's a real real challenge uh to be able to find anything in, especially in the major cities right now uh things are uh, so uh, so uh, stolen away over the last month in february the economy was so diverted to a potential war effort that the brothers told me that they received about 10% of their salary for the month. So they worked all month in February, but they only got about 10% of their pay because there's no money left in the system. And it's not like, I mean, some of you are looking at me saying, well, you know, hey, you know, don't they get a stimulus check or don't they get, uh, you know, unemployment or something else? And I need you to understand there is none of that exists. None of that exists in that country. And if you don't work, if you don't drive the truck or dig the ditch or deliver the milk or whatever, you don't get paid. But even if you work in, in Ukraine over the last little while, you never got paid or got paid uh, you know, 10% or so of your wages there. And so uh, we knew that uh, initially the, one of the things that we wanted to do was to be able to try to supply funds over there, but doing it in a safe way so that we would know that they would reach the believers there and, uh, by God's grace, I've found this morning has just opened up. We found two channels where, uh, brothers actually received funds that were sent. Uh, so I have another brother in the country who's, in our country who's sending funds for me. And then, uh, I sent some this morning, uh, from, uh, from my hotel and, and, uh, we're just, uh, uh, thankful that we have confirmation of that. So this morning's offering that we took up here is going to the, uh, believers over there in ukraine and uh, we're just going to take that and, and other funds that people are sending me around the world uh, are, are sending stuff to me so that we can send over and channel it to the believers there and the believers uh, all of this stuff is being done on phones so when we channel funds to them it goes on to a brother's phone and then he takes his funds and sends it to other pastors in that area so families will have resources they can use and uh, Lucas is going to help set up uh, a we- uh, on our website some more information so we can be posting to that. And uh, uh, hopefully you'll be able to tune in at any time and and uh, follow along because uh, this should be, uh, by any stretch, it should certainly be a, uh, a very interesting week. Uh, the, the brothers over there, uh, you know, they, they told me that, uh, you know, the hardest, uh, probably the hardest, uh, f- uh, the most difficult uh, situation is with the sisters over there because they're concerned about their children and concerned about the future. And so the brothers, uh, essentially have shut off the news system over there. So they don't watch the news at all because that's all negative and, you know, violent. So, uh, they've just taken to encouraging themselves and the brothers get among themselves and they talk about what decisions that they need to make if they're in a little group there. Uh, because they, now they have, uh, people who are dressed uh, Russian soldiers who are dressed like Ukrainians and try to speak like Ukrainians who are infiltrating uh, inside the uh, local societies there in the communities to try to find out where the resistance actually is. And so, uh, they, they've kind of hunkered down even a little bit more and they're not trusting anybody who's there. But, uh, among the believers there, uh, like I said, they're just speaking positively about things. They, uh, you know, they're, they're just trying to do everything they can to support one another, supply medication and essential things to one another and, uh, to be able to provide water. Water is a big issue, uh, in the country of Ukraine. So they're working on that and uh, i asked him i asked brother eugene this morning i said you know is there anything that at all that you can identify that i can do for you or uh, what do you want me to tell the people of the world who'd be listening in today and so forth and he said he said really he said we we uh, uh, we just want to remain encouraged and encouraging one another and he said the best way you can help us is to uh, remember us in prayer and Uh, Just trust that the Lord will protect our families and see us through each day. And I said, I I, I sure will be glad uh, to do that and pass that along to the people. Uh, Brother Branham made a statement, and I've got many uh, statements that I'm not going to show you today, but I've uh, got many here where Brother Branham said the reason that Russia is playing exactly into the hands of God is to rock this thing out of here. In other words, at the wind-up, when everything is kind of finishing up, uh God's going to use Russia as a tool. He said God is using communism and he'll use it and communism will destroy the entire thing according to Scripture, and we're in that day. And uh it, it's uh, just amazing how uh, many things that Brother Branham said that are very accurate. He talked about Russian soldiers racing down the streets of uh some of these cities, and uh, you know it's just amazing some of the statements that he made that I'm now finding and people are sending. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is the time that we're living in and, uh, I don't believe that we are taught to worry about the iron curtain. We're taught to worry about the Roman curtain, but yet we see that, uh, you know, in this beginning of the judgment cycle in the world, uh, you know, we're seeing a very sober assessment of how things are moving and the direction that things are going in, uh, in the world and, uh, kind of just makes you sit up and think, uh, that's for sure. This, um, this document on the left here is actually an interesting one, and I won't say who it is, uh, but this is one of the members of our church uh, whose grandfather was uh, a Ukrainian citizen. Grandfather and grandmother was Ukrainian citizen, and this was their visa document written on the left in German and on the right in French for them to leave Borysville, Uh, In the early 1900s, and I I translated some of this yesterday for uh, the person who owns it, and uh, they left and came to America and changed their names and so forth, and they were asking me if they were any believers by that original Russian name back then. This is when Russia uh, uh, and Ukraine were one country. So this is when Ukraine was not a separate country, but it was actually part of Russia and this is the person in our church and they sent me that last night and I was just pretty fascinated because they live in an area where there are some believers there and we're going to try to find out if there's any uh, family connection. Uh so it's just uh just uh, you know uh, been a very interesting week for sure. Now what I want to do is I want to just uh, if you don't mind I just want to roll right into what we talk about today and if you don't mind just in the reading of scripture let's go to uh the book of the book of Matthew And as you're standing and and turning, I just wanted to say that when David writes about the times that he was in, and he says that, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and this is Psalms 23, you don't need to turn to it, but in, in Psalms 23, he says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I often think about verses like that these days, you know, in, in passages of Scripture when they wrote about going through difficult things, and, and this is their testimony that the presence of God was with them. And then he says in verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. And that's exactly what the believers in Ukraine are doing today. They're, they're sitting at the table, they really feel and sense the presence of God with them, and uh, that's exactly what David said that he was doing in the time of trouble and going through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, the Lord's prepared a table and we're sitting at it. And uh, the war uh, rages all around me. Uh, you know, We're enjoying the things that God provides. So in uh, Matthew chapter 24, we read uh, the words that Jesus gave us at the, uh, at the ending of his uh, time on the earth. And he, and he told us in verse 6, And ye shall hear of wars. And rumors of wars, see that ye not be troubled. For all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So the wars we see around us are not the first ones, nor will they probably be the last. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. And these are the beginning of sorrow. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. Now, I've used up a lot of time here, so we have a a great feast uh, after our service this morning. And everyone's invited. We have more than enough food uh, for everybody. There were some people who were not able to be with us this morning, so we have more than enough. Everybody's welcome right afterwards in honor of Lucas and Haley and... uh, we 're glad to have them with us today. It's sort of funny, but um, we uh, We appreciate all the work that 's gone into the uh, preparing the meal already now so i 'm going to ask you this morning uh, just to lock in with me if you will and and just follow me as we deal with this subject here uh the spiritual warfare. Now I'm I'm not so much dealing with personal type issues here today, but I want to deal with uh a particular uh particular point that will help us, I think, understand a little more clearly uh things that are happening in our day. In the message God at this evil age, Brother Branham says, now the message points out the evils of this evil age, and it is fitting to prophesy for this evil age. So God has said things for us and He said things about our time. And in that, he said, it's my belief that the Bible has every answer for every age already written in the Bible for the believer of that age. And all the believers said, everything. And and that's a pretty pretty definitive statement. Everything that, that we need to know. Uh, is there and will be revealed in that season and everything that we have need of in order to navigate through that time and to uh, make it to the right place. Everything is there. It just needs to be revealed. And we, are, we know we're not revealers of the word, but we are believers of the word. Isn't that right? And uh, so so uh, to me, I, I love this statement, no matter what what you're going through and whether it's a personal struggle or whether you're, uh, you know, just burdened by the conditions of our times and all of that. Let me tell you something. God's got an answer for it. And God already prophesied and knew that these things would happen in our time. So it's not uh, not a surprise to God. God is not all of a sudden waking up and saying, whoa, whoa, I didn't expect Mr. Putin to do this or that. He's not doing that. He's looking at this from a very different perspective than we are today, and the peoples of the world are uh, looking at this today. And so we're not at all fearful about the future. When you know that God has already got to figure it figured out, God's already got an answer, and God's already given us an answer of peace, hey, we're not worried about things that, that are unfolding. We just want to be sure that we're in the right place. We just want to be sure that we're right with God. We want to be sure that we're sitting at His table today and uh, ready for whatever takes place. Because I don't believe that uh, you know these struggles are going to be isolated in particular regions of the earth. I think the whole earth is going to be affected uh, by by things as we progress here. Now <clears throat> we we know, and uh, I've not uh, dug deeply enough into this to for my own satisfaction here, but we know that in this day it's prophesied to be a day of light even though we know that gross darkness covers the earth. And uh, Brother Bannon made many statements like this in the unveiling of God. He said, it shall come to pass in this last days. And he said, so here we are, and the light is over the word. Aren't you glad the light's over the word? If the word has all the answers, I'm glad the light's over the word. Right? I mean, what's the good of having a light over, uh, you know, your investment account if you don't know what God is trying to get you to do? And what's the good of having light over CNN if uh, you know we don't know the path that we're supposed to take? Hey, all of those things are temporal. But God gives us light over the Word, and as the as as the light of the sun changes from the seed from glory to glory, we also change accordingly. We change proportionally with that light that God has present in our time. And as we change, we become more like Him, and that's the goal. That's the thing that God is trying to do in our lives. So, again, very simply in, in the review here that. Uh, we put on the whole armor of God because we stand against the wiles of the devil. And that's the trickery of the devil. The craftiness that uh, he uses and the deceitfulness that he uses. In the same way that they would be sending Russian soldiers into the city uh, dressed as Ukrainians and speaking like Ukrainians, uh, you know, that's that's a, a form of deceit. Uh, in the same way Satan would try to spy out our liberty and he'll try to do whatever he can to disrupt our peace and our harmony with God. He'll do that, and he'll do it especially more at the end, uh, because that's when he knows his time is short. I put out uh, yesterday, and I don't know, uh, I, I'm sorry I'm losing track of who sees what, uh, but we had our brothers who went into Mozambique uh, yesterday from Malawi, and they had two truckloads of, of books that were going in there, Seals books and Church Age books in, port, in the language of Portuguese. And uh, wound up going in there, met the first group of ministers, gave them out. Uh, my goodness, it was just such a blessing. The ministers were so happy and they walked away with boxes of books and pictures and all kinds of things that were given to them. First time in years and years uh, that they've seen anybody come with any kind of materials. And so the brothers now, because they're doing the work of God and the work of the kingdom, uh, you know, they go to the next town, they check into a place, and they, it's late at night, they go to bed, middle of the night, they're woken up, and they're all arrested and taken down to the police station, all of their uh, goods are confiscated, their phones are confiscated, everything, and they're thrown in the jail. And here the country had passed a new law saying that, uh, you know, we're not allowing churches to come through here and give up materials because people are using the name church and going through the towns giving out guns and ammo and keeping the war effort alive in, in the country. So the government said, no more churches coming through here unless they have a permit. And uh, the brothers, of course, from Malawi didn't know anything about that new law, just newly passed, and so they wind up in jail uh, because they're giving out the message books that we, we enjoy. And, and it's just, you know, uh, in whatever way Satan can, he will try to disrupt and try to hinder and try to pervert the moving of God and try to stop or interrupt the cycle of, uh, rapturing faith that's supposed to be unfolding in our time. And we sit here and think, wow, you know, man, I don't even know if I got enough money to go to Starbucks afterwards. I will tell you, Satan is, is, uh, Satan means business. He is, uh, he is certainly lying in wait to deceive. He is lying in wait to do whatever he can in your life and in your family, in your marriage, uh, in, in your circumstances. He's lying in wait to do whatever he can in our church, in our midst here to try to, uh, disrupt things and try to, uh, you know, cause people to become discouraged and move away. Imagine moving away from the tree of life when the, when the tree of life is the very thing that we have need of. Imagine moving away from the light on the Word when the light on the Word is the very thing that illuminates your path. Imagine imagine feeling like, you know, being discouraged enough because of problems that you're going through, uh, you know, that you draw back. When God doesn't want you to do that, He wants you to lean in and embrace and and, uh, and to follow fully with all your heart. How many can say amen? What a shame that, uh, you know, Satan, uh, will try to make inroads in people's lives and in, uh, groups of people and, and, among the bride around the world and, and try to, uh, you know, get our energy diverted on things that, that really don't have an eternal value, but, uh, you know, they're, they're diversions. That's really what they are. And to try to get us distracted and diverted over to, uh, things that really don't count. I say this, may God give us a determination and a focus that we can, uh, just really hang on to the cross and, and point our, uh, sights towards the, the kingdom, because that's, that's, I believe, what God would have us to do in our time. May God give us that resolve to do that. May God give us that strength to be able to press on. And I will tell you, that's not a thing we take for granted. Now, Brother Branham says that, uh, and I, I want you to just think about this for a moment here, that uh, every, every church, he said, is here for a purpose. There's a spirit behind it. There's a spirit behind your home. Behind every building, behind everything, there is a spirit and a motive and an objective. Behind everything. Well, you know what? That would include you, right? There's, there's a spirit that's motivating you. There's a spirit that's inspiring you or pressing you and moving you to do something. But there's also spirits that are behind, uh, you know, nations and, and world leaders and the decisions they make and the feelings that they have and the, uh, you know, the plans that they lay. All of that is motivated by something. And I will tell you, the Bible has the answer for all of it. And, and so, therefore, it becomes a really interesting thing because you—you you cannot change what uh, how everybody else reacts to uh, a spirit or you know the the motivation behind it. You can't very often. You can't change that. You cannot uh, you know alter that at all. But you have the right and you have the the, the freedom to be able to examine what spirit is motivating you. And and you should be saying, Lord, search my heart. Every day we should be saying that. And Lord search my heart and know me today. And I, I don't want to be led in the wrong way. I don't want to be led by the wrong influence. And so Lord, help me keep my shield up, my sword in my hand, and I want to be motivated by the right things. I want to be uh I wanna be seeking the right objectives in my life. If we are living truly in the times we believe are called the end times, then, Lord, I want to have the right objective. And the right objective is not to be uh, so successful in this world. But the right objective is actually not to be in this world, but to be in the world that I came from. And that is the kingdom of heaven. And so there's a spirit behind everything. Everything is moving. And there's not dozens of spirits. There's not thousands of spirits that are of different types. There's really only two kinds of spirits that are at work in this world. Would you agree? The Holy Spirit and the the spirit of darkness that, uh, that, uh, you know, invades this earth. And so it's one or the other. And therefore, we've got to be like the blind handball player and approach it that way. You say, a blind handball player. Yes, sir. No, sorry, the one-eyed, the one-handed handball player. Sorry. Let me get it right. There is a fellow who, and this is a true story. A guy who is a handball professional. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, hand professional handball. And these guys wear the black gloves and they play in a concrete court or, you know, really uh, enclosed kind of a court and they hit that ball back and forth. I mean, it's just wild just to watch people play handball. And the guy who was on the top of the American Handball uh, Tournament League, whatever it is, he was one-handed. And they asked him, they said, how in the world can you be so successful Playing, uh, playing with only one hand against all these guys that have two. They have, they have different options. And he said, therein lies my success. He says, whenever the ball comes back at those guys, they first have to make a choice which hand they're going to use. He said, for me, I don't have to make any choices at all. He said, I just go at it the same way every time. And I thought to myself, wow, that's a good way to have it. You know what? We don't want to be making uh, wrong choices here. We don't want to be faced with a bunch of choices here. We want to be hitting the thing the same way all the time. How many would agree? So be like a one-handed ball uh, handball player and uh, just approach approach life the same way every day and uh, be as consistent as you possibly can. And that's what, that's the thing that uh, actually won them the trophies. So we we find ourselves that uh, as we mentioned before that uh, we have this paradox that exists in our world that. Uh, the God who would allow his ministers to be as a flaming fire, we find also that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light and his ministers are transformed as ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works. The whole world is filled with deception. The whole world is filled with it. And again, you have to be focused enough to make the right choices. And Satan's work is to come as close as he can to the real, but your job is to be like the one-handed handball player and make sure that everything uh, everything is dealt with consistently. All right, now, just as an example. Now, God don't have things out of cater, Brother Branham says in the 70 week of Daniel. He's just letting it run out like that for a time. God does not have things out of cater. We may, we may feel like at times that things are spinning out of control and you wonder where it's gonna, where it's gonna land. How are things gonna wind up? And we think, well, it almost looks like it's, it's under the control of dictators or governments or the economy or the virus or whatever else. And it almost looks like, you can almost get the feeling like that nothing's happening, that there's no recourse at all. But I will tell you something that God does not, God is never out of control. How many would agree? And God does let things run out for a particular time. And there are delays between what God wants to do and the time that we might be living in at the moment. There are delays. And when there are delays, just like Noah building the ark, God did not tell him, get the ark, and tomorrow we're going to flood the earth with water. There was a 120-year delay in there where Noah preached the message of righteousness, and also built the ark and collected all the animals and so forth. And in that delay, character is very often formed. If we always got our answers immediately, let me tell you, you would have a different type of character forged in you. But when we realize that God uses the delay sometimes, or that period where it seems like things are out of cater. But God still sees you holding on and pressing on and believing and trusting no matter how, how late things get and how long things go. Just like Abraham and Sarah believing that God was going to give them a son. It didn't matter what happened to his body. It didn't matter how weak he got. It didn't matter how incapable he became of producing a child. But God gave him, uh, you know, that promise and Abraham held on to that promise. And as his body, as his body failed, his faith became stronger in that delay. So you should never worry or think that, God, that God's got things out of cater or He's lost control or, uh, you know, things are happening or too, uh, too chaotic for Him. They're not at all, but God lets it run out. And in that running out time, lots of things are manifested to the point where we see the real thing as it really is. And at this last days is when God's going to reveal those secrets to the church. He hasn't done it before, and the reason He hasn't does it done it is to keep the church watching and praying all the time, not knowing what it's coming. So every age was was had a in a sense of built-in expectation that God was going to wind it up and conclude it uh, in their in their era or in their lifetime. And when God didn't, they had to commit it to a time when God would. But now we live in a time where a prophet came along and pointed his finger at the timeline and said, Thus saith the Lord, we are at the end. This is when it's going to wind up. We don't know exactly what day, and there's no point in you trying to spin your wheels on trying to figure out which day. Uh, but I will tell you that God will let it run out long enough until the time comes when uh, he'll shut it down. We just know that we're very close because the prophet said so. And Daniel said that in the last day the wise would understand, and it's been given to him. The Spirit of Wisdom comes into the church to make known to the church by the revelation of the Holy Ghost and revealing what day we're living in. So this is a special visitation of the Holy Spirit that comes in the last day. And just the same as Gabriel came to Daniel. And Brother Branham said whenever Gabriel shows up, that's a special thing. He said, as Gabriel came to Daniel, the Holy Spirit comes to the church in the last day to bring understanding of things, to bring revelation, and to bring things that you have need of to move on to the next place. How many know that the marriage supper is the next place? How many know that another body is the next place? How many know that a better world is the next place? And so that doesn't come by ordinary study. It doesn't come by just going to an ordinary church or a house of worship. It comes to a place where rapturing faith is actually available and accessible to the believer in this hour. And God provided it because He knew you're going to need it. And Satan's doing everything He can to distract people from it. But the promise is that God will come, and we talked a little bit about that last week. How that uh, the promise was that, that the Holy Spirit would come and bring uh, that exceptional revelation to the church. And uh, the church would grow in grace to the point where their bodies would not be able to take it, but they'd leave this earth in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Forgive me for all the uh, just statements here, but I, I'm going to stop in, in just a moment here, and we want to change directions a little bit. But I wanted you to be on the same page with me. Brother Branham is simply saying here, and I've read you this quote in times past, how that, uh, you know, and I'll paraphrase a little for you, that in the meetings, Brother Branham often uh, took great uh, care, in instructing the people that when service is on and the healing is occurring and, and devils are moving, demons are moving out of people, he said they will seek new places to go. And in that time, you want to be sure that you're reverent. You want to be sure that you're bowing your head if he tells you to bow your head. You want to be sure that you're not disrespectful in, in service because if, if one of these spirits cuts loose, it's going to immediately go find a, a receptacle, a house that, that is receptive to it tabernacle. And he says, if that happens, he said, uh, I won't be responsible for that. And he said, so last paragraph, be reverend. I, I don't know where they went. I don't know. And if, I, if you're an unbeliever and disobedient, you're very much receptacle to them. You're very much vulnerable at a point like that. If, if there's a spiritual disturbance and spirits are moving, he said, you, you just want to be sure that you're acting the right way because you can be in the right place but be receptive to the wrong thing. By the attitude that you have. And so, you know, uh, this to me, this is not a light thing. This is a, a thing that we should take note of. But I need you to understand, on a, maybe standing back a little bit, I need you to understand as well that when people reject the scripture in general, like nations will reject the scripture, uh, years ago, the Communist Manifesto was written by uh, by the politicians back after World War II, and uh, when they when and, and after the time of Lenin and so forth, they did the Communist Manifesto. And one of the things that they stated in that Communist Manifesto was that uh, there's no higher power, there is no God. And so as a result of that, if you need to get a marriage license, you just go and paid your rubles. They stamped your uh, you know, your document and off you went and you had a marriage license. And if you wanted a divorce, you just went and paid so many rubles, they stamped your divorce paper and off you went. There was no question of morality. There was no question of whether this was right or wrong. And there's no question of concern over children or whatever else. It's all based on what you want because none of us are going to answer to a higher power. There is no higher power. So you just eat, drink, and be merry in your life and do whatever you want. As long as you got the rubles to pay for, it doesn't matter to us. And, and as a result of that, you look at where that nation's gone to, and you look at nations that rejected Christ, and they rejected the message, and they rejected the Bible. Uh, you know, uh, And they, they've gone into what they've gone into, like South Africa, when they rejected Brother Bram's uh, ministry and, and how they turned from it, and then all the, all the abominable things that were done in South Africa over the years. And God told him, he said, I would have given you that uh, country. I would have given you that nation. And, uh, you know, they, they turn from it. And the atrocities that were committed in South Africa is just amazing. So it's not just a personal thing here that he's talking about, although he is talking about that. It's also on a broader scale as well. When you look at a world that rejects Christ, you better make sure you're in the right place. Because they're receptive to, they're receptive to an onslaught of spirits that are promised to be loosed in our time. Now stay with me. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about this whole idea of unity. And uh, we have a perception of unity. As a matter of fact, let me just jump to this this morning. A lot of times we think unity looks like this. And I found this statement uh, from the Baha'i faith. And don't worry about what the Baha'i faith is if you don't know it. But it's, it's certainly a feel-good religion, which would say, "So powerful is the light of unity that it can illuminate the whole earth. How wonderful it is that everybody loves one another and you know holds hands and we all pull together and everything is great." I, I, I just want to uh, counter that and say, biblically and scripturally, many times unity doesn't always feel really good, and God's—I would tell, tell you this: God's got to go to some great lengths sometimes to to put people together. Because there are, things, there are things that happen uh, that make it sometimes very difficult for us to be together. And I, I, want, I want to explain that here by the scripture. And David said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In Ephesians 4, we find in the Old Testament and the New Testament here. That God had a, uh, you know, a kind of unity in mind. Unity is an attribute of God. Because the opposite of unity is divisiveness. Or division. And God is not the author of division. Would you agree? I said God's not the author of division. And I'm talking about hateful division. Exclusion. And where uh, people are shut out or put out or shunned or whatever else. God's not the author of that. Now God's a segregator. Right? He separated light from darkness in the beginning. And sin. And righteousness don't blend together and God separates things and God is a judge and all of those things here. But there's a way that God does it that's different than how the world does it. And when you're trying to separate somebody or you're trying to segregate somebody for an evil reason, let me tell you, that's not the attribute of God. Whether you do it on your phone, whether you do it politically, or whether you do it, uh, you know, in, in business or whatever else, let me tell you, there's a right way and a wrong way to think about unity. And Paul says that in Ephesians chapter four, he says we are, we are endeavoring, and he's referring now to the ministry as well. If you you're familiar with this chapter, God, uh, you know, ascended and gave gifts unto men, the uh, apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and so forth. And he said they're endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's that's the goal. That's the endeavor. That's what we're trying to do. Until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And if somebody attacks the real unity that God's trying to build up within the body, I will tell you, he'll, he'll be quick to respond to that. God will be quick to respond to that because that's that's what he's endeavoring to do is not only to attain to unity but to keep that unity. Now you can see that Satan would like to, in his spiritual warfare, he would certainly like to attack the unity that uh, that is created by the common bond that we have. And you know the common bond that we have is not because we all like the same kind of food, right? You know, sometimes I'll ask young people, where do you want to go for lunch? And they'll say, oh, you know, some walk place. And I said, you, the only walk that you've got is rocks in your head. You're not going to a walk place. And so I, I don't have any, I don't, I don't even relate to that. You know, I don't even, that's, that's not my kettle of fish. But you know, they, they have different likes and dislikes. We have different age groups here. We have different backgrounds. We come from different, uh, you know, parts of the world. And Some people even come from Shingle Hollow. And you know, I mean, it's just, we're quite diverse, you know, in our, in our uh, nature and in our way. But you know what? that's not the unity that God's trying to obtain. He's not trying to make us all Amish, where we all wear the same black outfits with no zippers, and we have beards with no mustaches and uh, buggies that we drive in. God's not trying to do that. God could do that, but God's not ever attempted to do that, right? The unity that we have is given away in this scripture verse right here in verse 3. We're endeavoring to keep the unity of the church, No, not the church, but the Spirit. Brother Branham did not try to make us all, as members of the bride, all the same way in our worship and so forth. Hey, and if you think that's true, you ought to go and visit Brother Anwar in Pakistan. You know, the the believers in Pakistan, and watch how they worship. Hey, their worship's very different. If you go to Malawi, their worship's very different. If you go to Korea, their worship's very different as well. And it's not a uniformity that God is after, but a unity of the Spirit. And there's a big, big difference there between that because God's not trying to cookie-cutter us out into a place where we all look identical and act identical and we all you know, react the same way and we all have one book of rules that we all go by around the world. That's not what God's after. God's interested in bringing a man into Christ and having him experience a new birth so that it's not him anymore that lives, but Christ that lives in him. And if Christ lives in me and Christ lives in somebody in Pakistan, we're going to have one Goal. We're going to have one thing in common, even if our food is not, and our worship's not, and our church is not, and our dress is not. We're going to have one thing in common, and that is our relationship to Christ. And when God gets that, God can work with both of us at the same time. All right, now, <clears throat> having said that, Brother Branham says, and I want you to just think about these next couple of statements here. If a child was disobedient, yet he was a son, I'm not saying that you won't be saved. But if you're born again, he said, you've got salvation, you've got eternal life, you'll go to heaven. If you're a child of God, you're a child of God. No amount of disobedience is going to take away eternal life. Somebody ought to say amen. Now, you don't want to live in disobedience. You don't want to live in rebellion to God. But he says what you're missing here, what you're missing here, if you're disobedient, God may have to take you early. God may have to take you home early. And pause, that's what happened to Brother Branham's own brother. Because he wanted, uh, the, Holy, the, the, the Lord revealed to Brother Branham that he wanted his brother to preach the gospel. And he wouldn't do it, he resisted. He saw everything that Brother Branham went through and he resisted preaching the gospel. And he died at an early age. And Brother Branham later said... The reason he died was because he was not obedient. And God said, well, if you're not going to listen, into the house you go. But he said, you're missing something here. If you're disobedient, God may take you early. Many things might happen to you. And you'll always be, listen, you'll always be a crippled church. Divisions. Well, I belong to this, and I belong to that. And I'd like for the whole church, he said, I'd like for the whole church to say I belong to Christ. You don't have to say I belong to HBT, and I don't belong to Brother Barry. You, none of you belong to Brother Barry, except these two girls right here, and these f- uh, four boys back there, and my three boys who are here, my wife. I've got to tell you a little story. This is going to seem wacky. <clears throat> if you're a Canadian, there's two things that you need to know, only two, if you're Canadian. If you're American, I found out you need to know lots of things. But if you're a Canadian, you only need to know about two things. One is Tim Hortons. The second thing is hockey. Those things are actually connected. But that's the only two things you need to know about. And there was a situation uh, years ago where the canadians who always dominated in hockey over the years lost to the american team in the was it the olympics they lost to the american team in the olympics it was such a shock canadians are still not over it i will tell you that i don't know what year that was but i mean it's still reverberating through through canada and, uh, you know, it was just such a, an amazing thing that the Canadians lost to the Americans. But the Americans won. They wrote books about it. They made a movie about it. It was such a huge thing, a very famous movie, very well known. And there was a part in that movie that I want to just share with you here. Somebody showed it to me because they thought I needed to know about that. But I already knew about hockey and Tim Hortons, so I didn't really need to know it. But I accepted the Americans won. They brought together these young fellows who were a dream team in, uh, in, in the American side. And they had them all playing together. And they were all from different, uh, leagues and different associations and so forth. And they all came together and they practiced. And the coach practiced them and practiced them until they were, I mean, it was, it was almost ridiculous how much he practiced them. And they, they practiced after games, they practiced before games and everything else. And in the practice, he would always go to them and he'd say, Hey, uh, Noah, state your name and where you're from. And he'd say, Noah Cockman, and I'm from the, uh, the, uh, uh what's the town you live in? What? You said Cheryl Ford. <laughs> I, I know a guy I'm from Cheryl's Ford Flyers. Okay. Well, then they go back to practicing. And then he'd stop after a while, and he'd say, Hey, where are you from? What's your name? Where are you from? And he'd say, I'm Joe Cockman, and I'm from the, uh, the, uh, Conover Corn Cobs. And, you know, he'd be from that team. And that's what they say, he'd keep on going practicing. And they, they had their first few games. And in the games, they lost. And they lost because they were not unified at all. They, they, they were a bunch of superstars, hot, uh, cocky kind of superstars who played their own game. And they were not unified at all as a team. They didn't pull as a team. And they didn't work together very well at all because they all thought they were superstars. And so the coach kept trying to break that and get it out of him and break it and break it. And then finally, finally, at one pivotal point in the movie, after they had lost a key game, the coach goes over to one guy. They're practicing after midnight, and they're all sick as dogs because they're so exhausted. And he goes over to one guy, and he says, what's your name and where you're from? And he says, my name is Levine, and I'm from... Team USA. And as soon as he said that, the coach says, all right, everybody can go home. We got it. Finally, we got it. You're not a bunch of separated, isolated individuals here, but you're part of the team. And the only way we're going to win this is because we are pulling together as a team. And we identify as a team. And we relate to one another as a team. That's the only way. And from that point in that show, that was where the turning came. And then they began to win and they began to pull together and they were caring for one another. And they got rid of the guys that wouldn't conform and all the rest of it. And, and it was a, uh, you know, it was kind of a pivotal thing. Now it's too bad because the Americans won. But nonetheless, that was what, that to me, it was a great illustration of this whole idea of unity. And Brother i saying right here, if you're disobedient, if you've got disobedient in your midst, funny things are going to happen. Strange things are going to happen to you. So look what he says. He says, God may have to take you early. Many things might happen to you. But one thing is for sure, you're going to be a crippled church. Uh, so in other words, let me, let, me, uh, let me expand on that and simply say that the things that should be being done in the church may not be, may not be happening. Because you got disobedience somewhere and you got a crippling effect going on in the ranks here, kind of rumbling underneath the surface and nobody's really talking about it as everybody's in the church, you know, acting right and, and looking right and dressed right and, you know, got all their tattoos covered up and so everything, you know, is just kind of churchy and everybody's okay. But underneath the surface there might be a crippling effect there because there's disobedience there and rebellion there and you know what? I don't want to sit next to him because I don't like him and he doesn't agree with me and I'm going to sit over on the other side of the church here and so, uh, you know, the kind of have this going on, you really, you might look as a group, if we took a photograph, you might look unified, but at heart, you're really not. Amen. You know what you're going to wind up being? You're going to be a member of a crippled church. I got news for you this morning. I don't want to be a part of a crippled church. Amen. I don't want to be a part of that. And therefore, I would like to be able to say, in whatever way we need to say it, That our unity matters to God. He's bringing the Protestant ecumenical uh, ecumenical system, he said, the spirit of Antichrist upon both of them. And he says, bringing them to the slaughter just like they did the other Catholics and the Protestants. He said, bringing them all there in the hour to call the bride. So in the time that uh, the bride is being called, there's not a unified religious spirit in the earth. There's conflicting religious spirits that are in the earth. And he said, the bride is going one way because they're inspired by one, and then there's a spirit moving the other way. He said, they're loosed in the ecclesiastical church. Loosed upon what? Not upon the denomination, but this spirit that's contrary is loosed upon the bride. But he said, now here you'll get it. He said, watch now, the bride will not go through that time. Somebody say, glory to God, thank you, Jesus, I'm glad I'm a part of that bride. You can say all of those if you want to because the bride's not going to go through that, uh, that, that final struggle on this earth in the tribulation. The bride's not going to go through it. Somebody say amen bride's not going to go through it. We're going to be taken out of here before the tribulation actually strikes. But Brother Bram's saying that, uh, you know, there are spirits that are at work now. They're not coming, but they're at work now that cause division in whatever way they can. They have successfully divided and they're continually dividing even churches that were formerly together, even like Southern Baptists and all the other great, uh, you know, strong, powerful movements there are fracturing for different reasons there. Let me tell you, that doesn't come from God. That comes from the other side, but it's all bringing them to the same place. Watch again now where he says, Speaking of divine healing, this is revelation that was given to me. Brother Brown said, I do not know how it is in this island, Puerto Rico. And that's where he's preaching that day, in Puerto Rico. But speaking for the rest of the world where I've traveled, he said, divine healing is needed more for the sick body of Christ than all of our sick bodies put together. For together we stand, but divided we fall. I think we all should say that together. Say it with me. For together we stand, but divided we fall. As the song was being sung before I came in onward, Christian soldiers, we are not divided all, one body are we. He said that's the way we should stand. We should stand as a a unified group that are, are, uh, you know, we're bound by one thing and one thing only. It's not because... Uh, we have kids' days, and it's not because that we have Brother Barry, and it's not because we have, uh, you know, vision books or something else. That, that's, that's not the thing that binds us. And I have news for you. That's not the thing that keeps us or holds us. It is the Spirit of Christ that's our bond. It's the unity of the Spirit that keeps us together. And you need to make sure that you're operating under the inspiration of the, of the Holy Spirit. And part of that process is to forgive and to let somebody apologize, and to go the extra mile and turn the other cheek, and all the other things that Jesus said were indicative of somebody who had the Spirit. In other words, if we're going to be unified, let's act like it. But it will do nobody any good to come here and look like you're in harmony, and then outside undermine the local body of Christ or local, or undermine the minister, or undermine other believers. Hey, listen, that doesn't do any good. And you have to understand that the Holy Spirit knows everything that takes place. All right, let me go on here before I get in trouble. Well, what I need you to watch now because I'm, I'm, I'm honing in here. When the great pillar of fire that followed the children of Israel through the wilderness, it appeared to Paul, same God, pillar of fire, and it came down in the day of Pentecost. It broke up tongues of fire set upon each one of them. Are we still in unity with God? One pillar of fire but now breaks up into the many members who are in the upper room. Are we still in harmony with God? Are we still unified with God? If you've got a little portion and Jesus had a big portion, are we still unified with Christ? Sure we are. That's God's, God's version of unity, Right? He said it was God in this pillar of fire, the Logos, separating himself among his people, showing that Christ and the bride, God and his church, God and his church, not God in the denominational church, but God and his church are becoming one. It's just the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. He said, brother, not in different organizations. We'll never stand. We're not, we're not supposed to be doing that. We're not meant to be doing that. Read on. And Why did the Indians lose this country to the white people? If you've, ever, if you've ever studied or read some of the true history of uh, Native Americans in this country and how that they had lots of manpower and lots of resources and lots of tricks up their sleeve to defeat many a white man who came across the plains. But they couldn't do it because they were so at one another's throat. And had tribal wars and range wars and uh, territorial wars and hunting wars and all the other things that went on. And, and, and they, they wound up losing because they could not unify themselves against the common enemy. And the reason why they lost is because they were divided among themselves. And I want to say this to you. I want to say this to, uh, you, know, to, to you because you're here. That we stand strong when we stand together. And divided... We will never stand. And he says, how are you going to lose this great race? It's because we're divided, but we've got to stay together. We're all believers in God, and it'll be a paradox if God ever gets us together, but he will. Just trust him. He knows how to send the persecution that will run us together. 1964. He knows, God knows, how to send persecution that will run us together. Persecution driving you together is different than a pep talk at your work or going to university the first day you go to university and they give you a pep talk about how we're all together and we should be tolerant of to one another and accept everybody's crazy lifestyle. When God, when God thinks about unity, he thinks about sending persecution that drives people together that ordinarily would have a tough time being together. Because I got a doctrine, I got a belief, and I got a revelation, and I got an opinion, and I got hurt, and I got this, and I got that, and we've got, we've got a, you know, this minister, and we've got that minister. Come on, folks, don't say it doesn't exist. It does exist. It does exist, even all us halo polishers who uh, associate with the message of the hour. Let me tell you, those same spirits have crept in and, you know, we got people here and people there and all kinds of wacky ideas and, uh, you know, people leading people astray out in the wilderness with all kinds of ideas. Hey, listen, my father-in-law met a guy one time who uh, walked around, came to a minister's meeting out in Tucson, and he had a suitcase with him. And when they asked him to give a, you know, they gave every minister 15 minutes, which was a tragic mistake, but they had every minister come up and he took his suitcase up, laid it on the on the pulpit like that, open it up, and he had a pillow of Brother Branham. And that was his vindication. And he felt like if you laid on this pillow, then, you know, you're going to be blessed and you're going to be healed and you're going to have all kinds of things. Everything about his ministry centered on the pillow. Let me tell you something. That guy also has walks in his head. And there are some people that you know believe very differently than you believe. And they might have different feelings than you have. But God knows how to send persecution that will drive us all together. And I will tell you something, we've never experienced it. Because right now, if you've got a different opinion, and you got your shackles uh, hacked up, and you got your, your fur rubbed the wrong way, you know what we do here in North Carolina? You run off and rent a building and start another church. That's exactly what we do. To no one's credit. Not that there shouldn't be churches, but you know what? I would rather, if Brother Aaron, don't you get any ideas? But you just happen to be the first male in my line of sight. Don't get any ideas. But if Brother Aaron came to me and he said, I prayerfully feel led to go find another, uh, you know, to start another satellite work and to go minister in Charlotte or something. Don't get any ideas. You know, to, to, and he, and he was fasting and praying and he was asking me to pray with him about that and he felt led to do that. You know what I would do? I would, if, if I, and I felt that I was sincere and, you know, of God, I'd get behind that 100%. I'd help him find a building and pay for it. I would do that because that's the way the apostolic order should run. Not that Aaron would get out there and say, huh, Brother Barry didn't get me to preach, and he didn't get me to sing, and you know, you know he, doesn't, he doesn't pay enough attention to me, and I'm gonna go. And I'm gonna, he doesn't recognize my gift enough, so I'm gonna go and take Uncle John, Aunt Mary, and Cousin Sue, and, and go down and uh, start, uh, start another place here, and, and start on a, on a less than positive basis. I think we're better off working out our differences, and then if you felt led to go, hey, no problem. There's a right way and a wrong way to go about everything. Sure is. But a lot of times people react emotionally out of things. A lot of people people move around emotionally. And I don't think that's a good way to move if we're led by the Spirit. Because sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, right? I'm not your judge. Certainly not. But I will tell you this. There is a right way and a wrong way to stay in the channel with God and have God bless what you're doing. There's a right way to do that. And I think we, as God gave us a brain for more than just holding your hat up. I I believe that God gave us the ability to be able to look in the Scripture and see how the pattern was, see what God blessed, and see what God honors, and, and, you know, to walk in that kind of footstep, walk in that kind of direction, be inspired by the Holy Spirit, and watch what God does. He'll bless that. Because if it's not meant to be, God's got persecution in his back pocket enough to drive us all back together where we belong in the first place. Don't get me wrong now. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't believe that there should be churches. I believe that there should be, uh, you know, hey, listen, better to have churches and bars, right? Absolutely. But I will tell you what, there's a right way and a wrong way to go about it. And I tell you what, I, I honor a young man that, you know, feels led to take a church like Stephen, uh, you know, working up in Virginia there. and Other ones, you know, that have gone out and felt led to do something. I, I think it's a wonderful thing, absolutely wonderful thing. Because God will use folks that have a right motive and a right objective to do things. Are we all right? All right. (laughs) let Let me keep moving on here. Just give me a few minutes. Take your Bible. Go to Revelation chapter 9. This is something that I've never dealt with here. Revelation chapter 9, we find ourselves dealing with two trumpets, the fifth and the sixth. Trumpets and vials are related together. Vials are bowls of God's judgment, all promised to be poured out in the last day. Did you hear what I just said? Vials are bowls of God's judgment. Angels hold them, and in season they pour them out. You don't want to be around when they pour them out. Trumpets sound trumpets gather together trumpets and vials are related together the fifth trumpet is a very ominous one and this is where the sixth angel um i'm sorry the the in the beginning of chapter 9 the fifth angel sounds and this is where uh the the key of the bottomless pit is given and i mean there's all kinds of things that happen on the earth and if you look at verse 6, just for a moment here, it says that in those days when this vial is poured out, when this trumpet sounds, men shall seek death. I mean, that's quite a statement, those three words. In that season of, of time on the earth, men will actually seek death. I would rather be dead than face what's coming. I'd rather be dead than move on into what, what what's coming on the earth. That's quite a sobering thing, but this is how... This is how strong these, these vials and trumpets actually are. All right, go to 13. The six angels sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. The third part of men refers to the Jews that were in Europe in World War II. One-third of the Jewish population in Europe died because of the persecutions that were leveled against them. Those persecutions were ordered by Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini. Where did they get their inspiration? Where did they get their uh, anointing to do such a thing as that, to kill over six million people who were Jewish people, not criminals, Jewish people who were businessmen and profited the communities that they lived in. Where did they get that anointing to kill all the sick and the infirm, and anyone who was crippled back in that time? Or if you were a gypsy or you know, born ethnically different than Germans, where did they get that anointing? That anointing came from the other side of the Euphrates. Now just let me graphically show you this. In Genesis chapter 2, The Bible is real clear. Now, this is ancient Hebrew. This is old Hebrew. And I had to find a map that illustrated the four rivers that were surrounding the area that we would refer to as Eden, which is roughly, and I say roughly in this area because nobody really knows except God. But in Genesis chapter 4, the four rivers are listed, Pison, Heidekel, and Heidegel is today the Tigris River, and Gihon and the Euphrates River. And so, in that map, you can kind of—you'll—you'll you'll see if you look at it long enough, you'll see where those four rivers are. And these four rivers formed a boundary for the Garden of Eden and the Eden area that God created in the beginning. The Euphrates River was the mightiest of all of these rivers and ran for seventeen hundred miles all the way from Armenia up there in the mountains and. Uh, you know, it's a, it's one of the uh, was one of the extraordinary because it's dried up now, but one of the most extraordinary rivers on the earth uh, when it actually flowed. So it's a really important type of a spot. Now, as we look in the in the Book of Revelation here, we find that there were four angels who were loose, which were prepared. That word "prepared" uh, is is really quite an interesting word, and it means in the same way that the law was given by Moses, the law was prepared to give to Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, that God actually prepares something in order to accomplish something and then accomplish something else. And God's actually at work preparing things. These are not random events. These are things that God actually puts in place because he wants to bring something next and something next. And so that word prepare, we've used it many times of how that uh, people in the old days, if they had a king in the carriage... They'd send all the servants ahead of him and fill up all the potholes and take all the rocks and boulders and trees that had fallen down and make the way smooth. We want the road prepared for the king. These angels that come from the Euphrates River are prepared for this hour to come and to anoint people to destruction. Now, if you look at verse 16, I'm still in Revelation chapter 9. And the number of the army of the horsemen that were there, these spirits that came, were two hundred thousand thousand, And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, jasinth and brimstone. The heads of the horns were the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was a third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of the mouth, out of their mouths. For the power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like the serpents, unto serpents who had heads and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men, watch, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils and idols and gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Two hundred thousand thousand demons that came forth during that time. And they came forth held back by this figurative, not a literal river, and they were not literal horsemen. They were very much essentially spiritual demons that came forth. And they came forth and they happened to uh, anoint Stalin and Mussolini, listen, to drive the Jews back to Israel. And here's Brother Branham saying, it was a tender hand of Jehovah bringing them back to the tree of life. You know why? Because God has got persecution to drive things together that we don't know about. You would not think, in our modern thinking, you would not think, all right, we need to unify all the Jews in one place on the earth at the same time. You would not think of allowing 200,000 demons to come loose and have one-third of those Jewish people die in the ovens with the fire and the smoke. You wouldn't think that that would be God's way of obtaining unity, but it was. Because His ways are not our ways. I'm going to suggest to you, don't hang on to your petty little differences, because God's got ways of making you look differently at one another. And those Jewish people that didn't always get along, they wound up back in the Israel fighting for the land. They had one thing in common, which was the land. And to a Jew now, the Bible is the land, right? The land is everything to a Jew, just like the Word is everything to us, right? God is not afraid to take apart your world. God is not afraid to take apart your family. God is not afraid to take uh, take apart your whole life and and allow it to uh, you know be flipped upside down in order to bring you back to Christ. God's not afraid to do that. God's not afraid to allow a church to fall apart, to bring it back together stronger and in harmony with Christ, even more than what it was. God's not afraid to do that, because He knows how to send the kind of persecution to drive people together. He can drive families together. He can drive individuals together. He can drive churches together and nations together. And this is what these demons were that came forth out of the river Euphrates. And they were loosed after 1900 years. The same spirits were manifest back in the days of the Colosseum in Rome. When they, you know, they painted the Christians with tar and lit them on fire and used them as torches, and all the other persecutions that were enacted against the Christians over the years, but then for all those years they sat bound, bound by God, until World War II, when these spirits became loosed. Have the troubles that we have in the earth. Watch what Brother Branham said. Like I say, when we think about unity and think about how God's God's going to accomplish unity, (laughs) it isn't exactly how we normally think about things. All I want to do is leave you with this. Stay with me. Revelation 9.13, and Brother Ram's quoting this in the message of Feast of the Trumpets. And it's a really critical message, really important one. If you've never read it, I read the covers off mine. And it it ties together with what we're talking about here lately. And there were 200,000 horsemen that had been bound in the river Euphrates, turned loose under that sixth trumpet, now, he said there's not 200,000 horsemen in the world, but there was 200,000, he doesn't always say it correctly there, but 200,000 horsemen. They wasn't natural horses. They breathed fire, breastplates of jasper, and the end of their tail was like a serpent's head on it, stinging. It was spiritual horses, spiritual devils, been bound the Euphrates all these years, supernatural devils. What was it? He said it was the old Roman Empire being revived, the persecution of the Jews. So that's why these spirits were loosed then, was to drive Israel into unity in their own land, in the Palestine. Here's, the, here's Brother Bram's teaching. The old Roman Empire being revived, the persecution of the Jews. They've been bound for nearly 2,000 years. The river Euphrates can't cross to the promise. The Jews got to be where in order to obtain the promise? Got to be in his land, right? Got to be in Israel. And they could not obtain the promise as long as they were outside of it. So God drives them back to the promised land. Are you with me? This is how he does it. He doesn't just say, hey, folks, everybody back. Because i got news for you. He actually did that. God actually did that. He sent uh, spokesmen and rabbis and different people through Europe in in the days prior to World War II. And, and had them in synagogues tell the Jewish people, God's, God, there's something on the horizon. God's going to do something. You need to go back to Israel. Well, nobody listened to them because they had so much wealth and they were professors in universities and they had big businesses and they had enterprises that were very profitable. And so no one left. So all God did was he turned up the volume. And he allowed these spirits, and here we can document all of that, and, and all of a sudden these, these horsemen, supernatural devils come out, and he said, what was it? He said, the persecution of the Jews. God was using that phenomena, that supernatural demonic phenomena, to drive the Jews back into Israel again. And they had been bound by the river Euphrates, and they can't cross to the promise. Israel could not come to the promise because they were not in the right place. God had to get them back. A religious sect that was trying to get to the other side, bound there, two hundred thousand, thousand devils of persecution. So here are these demons that are loose, let's say the, uh, the, the blue is the river Euphrates here, and these demons on the bottom are loose to go across and to be loosed against the Jews in that last day. Again now, Watch what he says. Bound for nearly 2,000 years. Paragraph 161. Notice what happens now. They were turned loose on the Jews. The Persecution of the Jews. Supernatural devils. Nearly 2,000 years loose by Stalin. Hitler upon the Jews. Stop for a minute. I remember being in Poland and talking to the old men who were there, who were in service. These old guys. And I asked them, I said, you know, we're living really close to Treblinka, Treblinka. We're living close to Auschwitz, and we're living close to these death camps that were there in uh, in eastern Poland. And the reason the Germans put them in Poland, because they hated Poland, and Poland was kind of an off country, and they didn't want to have many of these camps in Germany. They moved them to the uh, what they would call the projects. They looked at Poland like the projects, and they moved these death camps out to there. And I said to the older guys, I, I sat down and interviewed them, and I wanted to hear their stories. And I said, I said, didn't you know, didn't you know that that was going on, where they had the furnaces and they were destroying all those Jews there? He said, let me tell you, Brother Barry, one old guy said, uh, he said, we'd get up in the morning as young fellows. He said, I was not, not even a teenager. He said, I'd get up in the morning and Mom would send me out to the uh, uh, garden plot. And he said, I'd be out there standing there with my hoe. And every morning, he said, the potato plants would be covered with a thick white ash. And he said, I'd take my foot and I'd just kick the ash off the potato plants and go down the row and kick the ashes off the plants. And he said, I was afraid to say what that was. And later on we came to understand what that was. But it was there every single morning when we got up. And it was the ashes that came from the chimneys in those concentration camps that had settled all over the countryside. And I said, didn't you say anything? Didn't you... Didn't anybody raise an objection? He said, everyone who did became ashes on our plants. Everyone who objected was consumed by those demons that burned everyone alive. And all those ashes, they said, they would have been the, the, the remains of the objectors. He said, we learned to live in silence. We learned to live in fear. We learned to live in a way of not raising our voices at all about what was going on. We never asked questions. We never investigated. We never went there. But he said, every one of us knew, but we never said the words. And he said, that's what took place. He said, on a daily basis in our, in our uh, growing up years. He said, we were all marked by that. And here's what Brother Branham said. He said, nearly 2,000 years. Now they're loose by Stalin and Hitler against the Jews. Well, you say that isn't Roman. He said, it's the same spirit that did it back then. Same things they did to the Christian in the old pagan Rome days. Watch the natural Israel. Watch the spiritual church now. Turn loose on the Jews. Now where is it turned? Under that sixth trumpet, he said, Pentecostals reject the Bible. Not only Pentecostals, but all the rest. And the same seal as it was opened showed Jesus on the outside of the church trying to get in. Glory, hallelujah. He says the Holy Spirit's been bound by these denominational rivers for almost 2,000 years but is loosed in the evening time by the evening time message. And the Holy Spirit back in the church again. Christ himself revealed in human flesh in the evening time. I have documents here that are printed out, pages of documents printed out here, where scholars believe that that army of 200,000 horsemen there are Chinese. The great Chinese army of our time. And the theologians have it all figured out that that's, that's exactly who that is. Aren't you glad we've had a prophet that came in the last day that... Helped us understand, because the, Re- the book of Revelation is a book of symbols, isn't it? And it took a prophet to write it, and it took a prophet to interpret it. And now here we are living in a time when, uh, you know, we see this stuff is not coming, folks. This stuff is not going to happen. This stuff is happening, and these, these demons are loosed in the world because they were never told to go back across the other side of the river Euphrates. They were never told to go back and wait in their place. They're still, what, what it was that came against the Jews is still out in our world today. Why do you think we have all the uh, terms about Nazification and denazification now uh, being spoken even about Ukraine? I don't know if you've read the stories or heard the news there, but, you know, all, all of a sudden you hear the phrase Nazis again, you know, and all of that. You know what? That is, folks. That's an inspiration that's coming from somewhere. That's a spirit that's coming from somewhere. And so... Don't kid yourself and don't think that that has just all faded away and gone into nowhere because you can't see it in the natural. It is all here. And that's why we have the trouble that we have in our world. That's why we have all the fighting and the murder and all the other things that we have in the world. Because now this world has become a habitation for, it's a playground for, if you like. It's become the stomping ground of all of these demons that did all those things back there to the Jews. Now, I don't know where you're standing tonight, I, young or old. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. I mean, these things are ominous at best. But I would just say this, that, uh, you know, I would sure want to make sure that I was on the right side. I sure want to make sure I was in the right place before I left church today. Or I'd be seriously thinking about it because, uh, you know, these these forces are real. And I believe by God's grace, things have been held back for the bride because God wanted the bride to grow up. God wanted the bride to mature. God wants the bride to uh, come to the place of maturity and, and to be able to be dressed and, and acting like soldiers and soldiers of the cross and representatives of the kingdom. I believe that's what God wants us to be. I don't believe he wants us to be silly, jealous, petty, sharp uh churchgoers until the very end. I believe he wants us to be real men of God and women of God. That are able to take the scripture and look at it and say, that's what it says, that's what i got to do, whether I like it or not, whether it hurts me, whether it shucks my hide off. That applies to me and my family, it applies to you and yours. It applies to every one of us. And to endeavor to keep the unity of the faith. If God's driven us together, God's brought us together, and God uses us together, you know what, we should strive, every one of us, on our knees to say, Lord, keep that unity among us. Because that's what the Bible says, that we strive to keep that unity. We endeavor to keep that unity. We, we we press to keep that unity among us because there are spirits there that if we give them just a moment or an inroad, they're there to divide and, and to separate and to cause division and cause uh, you know people to say and think things about themselves and about others that they should not. Where does that come from? That does not come from heaven. That does not come from glory. That comes from the other world. But I'd like to say this. That at the, if we follow in the book of uh, Feast of the Trumpets, and we will, here's Brother Branham claiming to us that the Holy Spirit is back in the church again. Now that's not the, the denominational church because remember now, Jesus is pictured on the outside knocking, trying to get in, right? But here's Brother Branham saying now, in the last day, when all of this happens and this messenger comes, and he says he begins to identify that, what happens? The book of Revelation comes open, the seals come off there, and now the Holy Spirit's free to come in real full declaration of himself and to be revealed in human flesh in the evening time. Do you believe that God has revealed himself in the last days? Sure he did through a prophet, but you know what? He didn't stop there when Brother Branham died. God didn't stop working. I believe that God is now identified in his bride and I believe he wants to demonstrate his character and his love and his grace and his strength and power through the bride of Jesus Christ. Because now we are people who have pressed into the uh, land of the promise. And I will just say this, that in the same way that demons have been loosed to come out of the river, there are people who are pressing to go back into Eden again with God because we have been set free. And one day I believe our bodies will be set free from these even even these bodies here. And we'll return back to an Eden-like state with God now, with God forever. Do you believe that? Listen to what I'm sa- saying to you now. We, we, Spiritually speaking, in a sense, we've been set free from denominations and from the world and from the bondage of sin and addictions and everything else. We've been set free. By God's grace, we've been set free. And we th- we're thankful for that. We're thankful for his love and mercy to bring us out of whatever we were born into and out of even our own nature and brought out into the light in this last day where the light is shining on the word for our day. I'm glad that God has done that. And in a sense, in a relationship sense, in a uh, in a communion sense, we are in communion with Christ now. It's not going to happen up the road. We're in communion now with Christ, our Redeemer. Come on, folks. We're living in the invisible union of the bride. We're living in that uniting time. And the uniting sign has already been passed. And we're living in that uniting time with Christ. But our bodies are not, uh, not there yet. We have to be liberated from these bodies one day. And walk and cross back into that place. So we can be there spiritually, but we're not there physically. One day, hey, listen, we've been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And one day God will allow these bodies to drop. And we'll step back across that river into eternity. And be with Him forever in that Eden-like state. Where he comes along and wipes every tear away, and you have your place at the wedding supper. We have our place in, in eternity, new heavens and new earth. All of those things await us. But you know what? This body holds us back. One day we'll cross out of these bodies. One day we'll cross over on the other side and be there forever. Glory to God. Well, what God's what's God's done? He's He's revealed Christ. He's opened up the Word. He's allowed us to be able to be redeemed by love divine. Oh glory, glory! Christ is mine. It's the Spirit of God that motivates us. It's the Spirit of God that keeps us moving. It's the Spirit of God that keeps us amending the Word. It's the Spirit of God that keeps us coming to church. It's the Spirit of God that presses on. Even though spirits press against us, the Spirit of God keeps us pressing on. I believe it's the Spirit of God that presses those saints over there in Ukraine to keep getting together, keep praying, keep trusting God, keep reaching out to God in times when they have nobody else to reach out to, but they reach out to God. Because you know what? That's the way we've been trained. That's the way we've been taught. That's the way we've been, uh, you know, uh, disciplined over our years to reach out to God. We're not reaching out just because we were, you know, uh, some some great person, or reaching out for our money, or reaching out for re- natural resources. Hey, we want to, we we've been we've been taught it's the Word that matters. It's Christ that matters. It's His presence that matters. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they were turned away from the tree of life. Let me tell you, I believe that God's fixing to allow people to be released from this human physical dimension and go back to the tree of life. Demons crossed out, bride's going to cross over, and we'll be back in that harmony with him again forever. I think it's glorious. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians come here. <clears throat> all this does now is open up all kinds of, of things here where Brother Ram talks about the, uh, you know, the, the reality of what happened in the opening of the word and all of that that comes he says, I, "I want more faith." This is what he said last. The last screen here. I want more faith. My desire in this life, in the coming year, is have more faith in God. Take away any doubts that's in my mind. If there should ever arise one, Satan fights at me. fights at you. He shoots his arrows. But may I have that shield of faith always before me, to withstand the wiles of the devil, knock off his fiery darts. That's his prayer. That's a great prayer. That's a Lord, give me that kind of faith and give me that kind of willingness to hold my shield up against the enemy that will come against me all the time. Hey, we have real enemies. Even though we might not be able to see him and touch him, we have real enemies. Do you believe that? This world is and every now and then it manifests itself like it does in the world we're living in today. I don't expect the world to ever go back to being a rosy place and everything all normal like it was. I I I just All of these things are spoken of, and I think we're moving in that direction. I want to be with him. I want to have, like he says there, I want to have more faith in God. How many of you would like to have more faith in God? I'm going to put my armor on. (laughs) Let's sing it this morning. We're in there? I'm going to put my armor on.
2: Savior's song. Seems like I've been too long. I'm gonna put my armor on. One more time. I'm gonna put my armor on. Sing my Savior song Seems like I've been Sitting on my Circumstance too long I love this family Of God So close great family sing it now I love this family of God so closely knitted into one they've taken me into their heart I'm so glad to be a part of this great family almost got it let's sing it now again Oh, I love this family of God. Jared, so closely knitted into one. I'm so glad to be a part of this great family. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again.
0: Falling in love with Over and over again It gets sweeter and sweeter As the days go by Oh what a love between the Lord and I Keep falling in love again, Over and over Over and over again And I keep falling in love over sing this song. You're awesome in this place. You are awesome in this place mighty God You are awesome in this place Abba Father You are worthy of all praise Lies, we pray. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Oh, you are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place. Have a father. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Sing it now with all your hearts. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Oh, you're awesome in this place. Have a father. Our lives we raise You're awesome in this place Mighty God Once again now Oh, you are awesome Mighty God Oh, you're awesome in this place Have a father are worthy of our praise To you our lives we raise You're awesome in this place Mighty God
2: You are awesome in this place Mighty God
0: you are awesome in this place. Have a father, you are worthy, and to you our lives we raise, you are awesome in this place, mighty God, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, my provider.
3: Mark, if you would come on. We're going to pray over a prayer cloth for uh, Laura. Had a baby prematurely and uh, they've asked for prayer and so we're going to supply a prayer cloth. Um, Just trusting that God cares about that little baby. Pray with me together. Turn to you, Lord, in all matters of life, in all seasons, we can come to you, Lord, and How the enemy would like to strike every one of us, Lord, and even the little ones, the newborns. Lord, we're so thankful that we're moving to a world that doesn't have any of these troubles and wars and strife and sickness, Lord. Never be in need for a prayer cloth in the world we're going to. Never be in need for a doctor or hospital. Lord, we know you care for the little ones. You care, Lord, for those little ones that never known right or wrong and in the name of jesus now we pray that this prayer cloth would find its place lord right with that little child and god i pray that you would bring healing to its body deal with the hearts of its parents and lord we just commit this need to you with confidence because we believe you're a healer today same as you ever were and we ask it in the name of jesus christ our lord amen Thank you Lord Jesus we we'll look for a good report <clears throat>
2: Jehovah Nina so much more
3: just sing it again but I want you to I just want, want you to stop for a second you know I, I, sometimes I get carried away when you think about all these things that Brother Branham uncovered for us and helped us to understand all this supernatural activity that's going on I'll tell you what I just want to say this morning I'm glad that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world and we if we really believe this that you're more than enough for me and no matter how far we have to go in this life there's more with us than there is with them And if we've got Him, we've got all the defenses we need. So let's just make this, as we close this morning, let's just sing this now. Make it your personal prayer to Him. You're my provider. And you're my healer. And you're my ever-present help. Let's sing it this morning. Jehovah Jireh
2: My You are more than enough. For
4: me.
3: We are so thankful, Lord, that you're Jehovah Shama today—the God who is present, the God who walks with us. Many times, Lord, we feel like Moses said, "Lord, we can't go any further unless you show yourself among us." We want to see you. We want to know your presence, Lord. Lord, we're moving into narrow places. We're moving into darker times. We're moving into seasons, Lord, that require more than just our knowledge. They require the leadership of the Holy Spirit in a very real way. Lord, I pray you deal with every young heart that's here today, Lord, and may they realize that no amount of strength and brains is going to make it. Lord, may we just be inspired. May we be moved, Lord, to come into your arms and rest under your wing. And I pray, oh God, that you administer, Lord, to each one in this assembly, Lord. May you be able to move among us and bring real unity, Lord. Bring a real harmony of heart. I know every pastor would want that for his own assembly, Lord. God, I thank you for these brave and Strong believers, Lord, in these countries that are going through difficult times, and in Ukraine. and Lord, I ask that you be with them. And Lord, you promise you'd never see the righteous forsaken, nor your seed begging bread. And I ask, O oh God, that, Lord, you would help us to do our part, but, Lord, may you just be very real to them, Lord, I, each new day. I commit them to you. I ask, O oh God, now that you'd bless our fellowship. We are, Lord, so happy for Luke and Haley, and we just commit them to you and ask your blessing upon them. And, Lord, may you bless our time together, our fellowship this afternoon. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy to us. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus and for your glory. Bring healing to the sick, healing to those in need, Lord. Thank you, Sister Laura, today, Lord. and We commit her to you, and... Ask, oh God, that you just be at her side. The very best thing we can do, Lord, is bring her to the throne of grace and mercy and lay her right there. And commit that need to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. God bless you this morning. We're going to let you slip out and slip over to the fellowship hall and we'll meet over there. Sing it as you go this morning. Be glorified.